I'm glad to be here t tonight because we, uh, I get some relief from being, quote, unquote, out there in the world. Now, I do know that we're still in the world proper, but we get some relief from being out there or hearing all of the chatter. I'm not one who would ever encourage you to stick your head in the sand and not be aware of what's going on, but I sure do like some rest from it and to just come in with the people of God. What I would like for all of us to do is to, is to recognize that, uh, it, that we are really a one-room schoolhouse. And uh, I remember hearing about it and reading about uh, in the early uh, days of this nation, we had a one-room schoolhouse. Actually, when I was in the third grade, the fourth grade shared the same room. Uh, I don't know if any of you ever had an, oh, we got, see, there, some of us, you know, we, we are vintage people. Yes. <laughs> And uh, the third and the fourth grade shared the same room. And, uh, th and the sixth and the seventh grade shared the same room. And uh, we, we were like a, we were similar uh, to a one-room schoolhouse in some cases. Well, the church is like that, and that is we have people at all levels of learning. And we wa what we want to do, though, is always be on the same page. That no matter what level we are learning from, we want to be looking at the same subject. And we want what God is giving to, to the, the baby among us to be the same thing that he is giving to the most senior of us. Give the Lord a good one, a good hand. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that the Lord has a message to the church, and I believe that my responsibility is to uh, proclaim the message he gives to me. Uh, there are many messages I think that God gives, but I believe that for this congregation, he has given us a message, but I think that the message he has given this congregation is a message that he is giving to the church around the world. And I think that this is the, the hour that God wants to bring the church to the fore, to the forefront, as we would say, to the fore. And uh, the cry of the Holy Spirit in this hour to the church is, come out from among them and be separate. That's what, that is the cry of the Holy Spirit to the church. That is the voice of God to the church. Uh, you know, when you're accustomed to kind of doing whatever you think God wants, it, it's sort of a, a shock when you know what God really does want. And so it's like that with all of us. I'm not the one who is perfect in preaching to you. I get my discipline at night, and then I come out and I share it with you. Uh, the Scripture says, God, the Lord says, be separate. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And so this is what God wants to do. I'll be a father to you, he says in the Scriptures. You shall be my sons and daughters, is what God is saying to the church. And he says, and so the, the writer says, Paul, he says, therefore, Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so what God desires, the Father's desire, is to have a picture of holiness, of righteousness to this world. And we must know that we are the carriers of that. And because we are the carriers, we must be presenting that. And so I think that 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 statement that I read as like a, a preface to my, my message uh, tonight, because I love God, is, is still this, the message that I'm, I'm preaching. This is message three, because I love God. So I want to continue to talk about that because 
I am convinced that all that God does in the world, he does it through his love, that his love is present in every single thing he does. And we must become more aware of that love. We must, we must frequently uh, be dispensers of this amazing love of God. Sometimes we talk about love as though it's something oh, tired and you know, it's something without energy, without real meaning in a sense. Or oh, we talk about it because we talk about it in a human way. But the love of God is the most amazing thing. It, it as it were, just overwhelms my mind regularly. And what I want to do is impart that to you, what God has shared with me about his love. I remember maybe now it's two months ago maybe, that one day I was looking at all the p political rhetoric. I was watching the news, and it was just so almost depressing, almost depressing. If I, if I could have been depressed, I would have been about to the 10th power, you know, but the Holy Spirit was sustaining me, and it was just so terrible. And the Lord showed me a, a, like a silhouette of someone that I strongly disagree with as to their views uh, as to what is going on in the world and the views that I believe God has given to me. And I strongly disagreed, and I've told you this maybe two or three or four times, but that he showed me, he said, I love that person. And it really was a, a impactful what God was saying to me. I want to make sure, son, you don't take sides in things, but you do exactly what I tell you when I tell you, and you treat somebody who is supposed to be your enemy like you would treat somebody who is your friend. It's just so amazing to me. And I saw the love of God at a new depth that I think I had never seen as clearly. And what I want to do is impart that to you so that you will now come out from among them and not be a part of the problem, but be the Jesus solution. Everything that we do in life in regard to God has the love of God component. Everything that you and I do in life in, regard, in regards to God has the love of God component. I'm saying you cannot do anything for God in some kind of uh, mechanical way. You know, we call that word perfunctory, like you're going through the motions. You went through the motions, but you didn't have the meaning. We don't want you to go through the motions without the meaning, and so you must have that love of God component. I'm understanding that more deeply every day I live because the Lord is stretching me as he is stretching you. But I love the Lord because when he stretches us, we don't lose our, our resiliency, you know? We don't lose that. Sometimes when, you, you, when I was a boy, we would stretch the balloons because we wanted them to be bigger. And I don't know if you all did that. We couldn't afford money for bigger balloons, so we stretched them. <laughs> so we would stretch the balloons and make them larger, but they would not go back to their original shape. And after we blew them up, they would never go back to the original shape. But with us, no matter what goes on, the love of God brings us back to our original shape, our original position. And that's why we can trust the love of God. We can do nothing without God's love. And I want you to understand that, not in some, as it were, cheesy way, not in some natural humanistic way, but we're talking about you having a supernatural experience. Uh, I, and, and speaking of supernatural experience, I believe that God is offering us more supernatural experiences. I, I do. I believe that he's offering us that. Now, let me tell you why we don't have them, because some of us, even though we are born of the Spirit, we don't believe them. 
Yes, we believe that God can do natural things, but we, uh, we don't know about that supernatural stuff. Yes, but God can do all the above. Yes, he can bring, he can, he can bring quail uh, across the Mediterranean to, to uh, uh, Africa, North Africa, over to Egypt, because his people are complaining about uh, the bread. You know, you got God giving you bread every day. It must be good bread, must be nutritious bread, but you want something from the earth. And so they wanted that, and God sent them uh, something natural, but he was doing supernatural things among them. But they kept wanting to look to the natural. It's been a habit of God's people from the, the beginning. I'm saying to you, but you're not supposed to be that way. Uh, no, you didn't understand me. You're not supposed to be that way. Because God has done something for you that no other generation has had. That is, this is the Christ generation from the time that Jesus went back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. We have now been uh, inhabited by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So recognize that when the Holy Spirit came, love came to us. The love of God came to us. We can do nothing without God's love. Now remember that. You know, you have to be outfitted with God's love. His love is everything to us. And every successful thing that we do in this life is based on the love of God. Everything we do in this life, if you don't have the love of God, you're not representing God. And so I want us to be aware of that because the Scripture says there's coming a time when uh, iniquity would abound, would be abundantly everywhere. Are you aware that iniquity abounds today? Some of you, uh, others of you are thinking about it. <laughs> we said, because iniquity would abound, the love of many, not all, everybody, but the love of many would grow cold. You see unrighteousness, craziness everywhere. So you just get, you, you just say, well, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I have to do. And that's, that is as simple as that. But uh, we will never, we will never be successful without the love of God, beyond the temporary. Everything that we are doing when we don't execute the love of God is just in the temporary realm. We do not do those things that are eternal. It seems like too many of us have opted or chosen for human love instead of God's love, the divine love. Because the divine love does not just love the person uh, who is worthy of that love, who, who, the person who is worthy of your time. Divine love loves the worthless, <laughs> loves the user, loves the scammer, loves the person you most ardently disagree with. This is amazing stuff. And this is what God wants to display to the world. He wants to display this kind of love to the world. But right now, if I may say it, using human terms, God is, 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 cannot do it as it were yet as he desires to do it. But what God can do, God can use other means. In the, in the case of, of uh, Balaam's donkey in the Old Testament, Balaam the, the prophet uh, was, out, was sent by, he was hired by Balak. He was a prophet, a true prophet, but he, he was hired by a, a king named Balak. Can you imagine the church is for hire? And he went out and tried to, to curse God's people, and uh, he was riding his donkey, and his donkey wouldn't go. He kicked his donkey, uh, we would say in Texas lingo, he spurred his donkey. But the donkey wouldn't go. And, and then finally the donkey spoke. 
But God didn't want to use a donkey. He had a prophet. He, he wanted to use the prophet, but he used the donkey. The donkey spoke. He rebuked the prophet. He said, I've always been faithful to you. I'm trying to save your life. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing for the world to look at the church and say, I'm trying to save y'all? We, we have to recognize this high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Not only did the donkey speak, but there was a, a very uh, self-confident uh, preacher named Peter. I mean, Jesus, God, Jesus, God told him, this night you're going to deny, deny three times you know me, right? not me. Who are, we, who are we to tell God? Hey, no, you got that wrong, you know. Not me. And so what happened, you know, in this story, you know, the story, uh, what happened was God used a, another means. He used a, ro a rooster to rebuke the preacher. I'm saying that's not what God desires to do. He wants to use each of us. He wants us to be totally his. Now, God's love, now, however, is totally sacrificial. I mean, it's a, it's a totally sacrificial love. You cannot love God's way without living a sacrificial life. It's totally sacrificial. God's love is totally sacrificial. All right? It's totally sacrificial. So when you love, you have to love beyond what's comfortable. It's totally sacrificial. Because when Jesus was on the cross, it wasn't comfortable. When Paul was being beaten with rods three times, I'm sure if he were here, he'd say, it wasn't comfortable. Or when he was, was beaten with a cat of nine tails, a whip. Have you ever seen a bull whip? Any of you, you just city Texans? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You know, yeah, bull whip. You know, but he had something more vicious than that, with bone on the end, and had 39 lashes. How many times? 39 lashes, how many times? Five times 39. Wow. Five times he got 39 each. Wow, they didn't give him the 40 because they were having mercy. Can you imagine we're having mercy? What I'm saying is love is totally sacrificial. And so Paul gave of himself because he loved God. And so I'm saying to you, because I love God, I, I will do the same. Before, because I love God, I will give everything to God. I don't want to live this life for myself. And I'm, I'm, I, I think the hour is becoming more serious. And so I think the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm getting you ready for something. And uh, uh, Brother Nathan shared a little clip with me, uh, two clips in the last two days of some messages I did. He said when my wife and I had been married for 32 years, I think he said, about 32 years. And so we've been married almost 52 years to about... 20 years ago, it sounded like I was still reading out of my old playbook, but I didn't know those things were in my old playbook, <laughs> you know. But I, I'm saying to all of us, I want us to be sober-minded about the life that we're living in. We can't just go along and say, boy, I'm tired of hearing this. It must not be getting through the way God wants it to get through because we haven't moved too far from this, that we must really be serious about this hour and the intention of the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in informing us so that he will form the knowledge in us so that we don't have to look at the playbook to say what the play is. 
God's love is totally sacrificial from him to us. It's sacrificial from, uh, from us to him. It's then sacrificial. It's from us to others. It's sacrificial. You and I cannot give God anything except what he has first given us. We must understand that so we don't want to operate off our human capacity in these days because how many of you have tried the human uh, route and you, you failed? I mean, I, I'm telling you. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. I know some of you, you know, you can't say you've ever been wrong. So you say, I'm not going to raise my hand, man. I can't admit that I've been wrong. I lived in a country where the, the citizens, for the most part, could not admit that they were wrong. It was a terrible place to live. You and I cannot give him anything except what he has first given us. And internalizing then, internalizing the truth of God, the love of God, and then exemplifying this love is essential to our success as disciples of, of Jesus. We must first internalize this love. That means that this love must become, as it were, innate in us. You know that word innate, like inherent. Some, just some kind of this in there. This belongs there because I'm a saint of God. I'm a child of God, and the love of God just belongs inside me. And so I don't have to say, oh, God, you're going to help, help me with this one. That's still uh, being carnal, isn't it? You know, I, now, what I'm saying is that it's like my son. We're not there yet. So, so, the, so to internalize this love of God, and we, th this is how we do it. We do it by hearing the Word of God, by obeying the Word of God, obeying the Holy Spirit when He tells us. Because when He tells us, I found that there's, there's strength to do whatever He, he demands of us, not, not basically requests of us. I hear that language in, in Christian circles where the Lord was just asking me and asking me. I thought, well, different Lord than one I got. <laughs> When I got tells me. <laughs> but so, so it, is, it is essential to our success. So internalizing and then exemplifying, showing it forth is essential to our success. What does uh, Christian conduct really look like? And, and we're talking about uh, because I love God. So I wanted to just say a few things actually before I got into my message. This is a long introduction, but, but it, we'll just say it's part of the sermon. <laughs> it's not the, just the preface. <laughs> All right. What does Christian conduct look like? It's changing the atmosphere just by being present. How many of us have walked into a room and the atmosphere changed? You knew it changed because people looked around at you and said, and would begin, would begin to ask, uh, who are you? That's what, that's what Christian conduct looks like. It's not, oh, I have to do something before they, before they know I am. No, I am. I am. If anyone is in Christ, that person's a new creation. And so, you know, somebody, uh, I'm sure from another planet, were to come in here, if they weren't in disguise, we'd know. You know, you're, you're different than we are. Are you still with me? It's changing the atmosphere just by being present. It's being kind when others are rude and obnoxious. But you, you just, you hold it steady. You don't, you don't have the attitude... Now, you're going to have to go now because I'm getting ready to show you something. You know, you don't have that attitude, right? So this is because you have a love of God. You are kind when others are rude and obnoxious. It's giving some undeserving person a kind gesture or smile. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. They are undeserving, but you give it to them anyway, and you don't charge them. It's being helpful when it is not required of you. 
That's what this, this love of God, this Christian conduct is. And what the world needs is more of this rather than our shouting and, and, and pretending to be. It needs that. It's returning good for evil. Now, now honestly, that's a tough one, isn't it? it can, do I have any saved people in the house? It, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Somebody just treated you evil and you, you, you're smiling, you're good. My, I, my, our dad was amazingly like that. My dad, my dad was amazingly like that. I told you the story. Can I tell you that? Are you again? Yes. <laughs> Some of you look at me like, you're going to tell it anyway. <laughs> I remember as a little boy, I, 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 uh, a little boy, maybe I say a little boy, maybe 12 or 14, so somewhere in that a- area. I, I wanted my dad to punch people. I know that's terrible. You want the preacher to punch somebody. But I just thought, I don't like the way that g- guy just treated my dad. And you know, dad it was strong. And I said, I'm sure dad could punch him. And, and, and we'll get this thing over. And I'll help dad, too. I'll bite their ankles and, and knees. You know? <laughs> it's, it's true, really. Maybe shamefully, but it's true. But, and, but what happened was my father always, our father, always had a gentle spirit. He would be kind to people who did not deserve it. And I thought, I don't want to be like that. I want to be tough and strong. What I meant was, I don't want to be like Jesus. I didn't know that's what I was saying, but that's what I was saying. Because my dad was like Jesus. He gave his cheek to those who would smite him. It's returning good for evil. It doesn't look like the climate in America, does it? It is bringing understanding in the midst of misunderstanding rather than joining the fray. Bringing understanding, bringing gentleness, bringing those loving traits. Because I love God, I will behave like a Christian at all times. The Scripture says, let your conduct be Christ-like. Wow. Uh, I would like for uh, uh, our brothers in the booth to, uh, let's show 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20. Through 25. My, my, my messages are always growing, so I, I sometimes just have to t- shut them down or I'm going to rewrite them all altogether. I will behave like a Christian. I will have conduct that God says a Christian should have. But, and what is, is that? Christ like conduct. Peter says to us when we do good and suffer, if we take it patiently, this is commendable before God, or this is something praiseworthy. This is like an abundance of grace coming to you and from you. He says, for to this you were called. You were called to be gracious, to suffer, to take negative things. When was the last time you heard a message like that? You were called to it. We always talk about, I'm called to do this great thing for God. I'm called to do that great thing for God. I remember, I told you the story, when I was in about 25 or 26, I said to the Lord, I asked the Lord, rather, Lord, what am I called? And the Lord said, he said to me, you're called to bring clarity and simplicity of the gospel to my people. Boy, I didn't say amen to that, though. <laughs> but amen but I didn't say amen. I was disappointed. But our sister's saying amen. We need it. And so, I, because I wanted power gifts. I wanted power gifts. 
I wanted to walk into a, a place if there was water, uh, a little high water, just take uh, my hanky and hit it, dissipate it in the name of Jesus. You know, I, I wanted to say to people in wheelchairs, get up right now in Jesus' name. Have them hop up and run. Blind eyes. Hey, hey, you blind eyes, you see. I mean, that's what I wanted. I wanted to just show off for Jesus and maybe get a little bit for myself. Because that's what those things are. So I was very disappointed when he said clarity and simplicity. But I realized that clarity and simplicity carries with it the love of God for human beings. And without this love of God, we can't have those other things. Without the love of God, without the clarity and simplicity of, of who we are and what our mission is, how can those other things happen on a consistent basis? They cannot, and they will not. He says, for this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. So the Christian life is not just a life of how I got over. How I got over. How I got this great thing. How I got this big thing. How I got all of these things. I got these things, all these toys. That's not what the Christian life is about. He says, he says we were called to a life of suffering a life of being pushed at the back. Christ did that, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Because I love God, I'm going to walk that way. Because I love God, I'm not going to insist on my own way. Because I love God, I will submit to the will of God. He left us an example that we should follow his steps. Now listen to what then Peter says, who committed no sin, can you believe that? Who committed no sin. Yeah, I believe he committed no sin, but I'm saying the one who was sinless walked so beautifully, and all of us sinners are being asked to do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're not really cooperating. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled or talked ugly to and down to, did not revile in return. How many of us have gotten a, we, so we were, somebody talked ugly to us, don't raise your hand, please, but someone talked ugly to us, and we did the same. And then later we asked God to forgive us after we got, got our mouth, uh, it off our chest. All right? Now listen. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having, listen, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Because I love God, I will reckon myself dead to sin that I might live for righteousness. That's what God wants us to do, is to live for righteousness every day of our lives and not worry about poor me. Is that okay? Are you sure? Now let's go to Romans 12. I've got eight seconds left. So you, how many of you know I'm not afraid to borrow a few seconds? Right. I'll, I'll read just a few, and I'm going to. I'll, I'll re recap on Sunday these verses that I'm about to read, but I want to read them to you before I go. This is where I was supposed to start tonight. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 9. This is what, for the church of God. Uh, I was, uh, when Brother Nathan was, was showing me some of the, uh, uh, playing some of the video, not the video, the audio clips for me, 
I said, boy, I was, I was strong 18 years ago, wasn't I? I was shouting. I was preaching. I was shouting. I was preaching. I could tell I was getting after it. Real powerful voice. So now I'm getting a little older. I'm just going to talk to you. Yeah, no torrential downpours here. Verse 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. This is what God is asking of you, requiring it of you. Let love be without hip hypocrisy, but that means let it be sincere and without pretense. If, if you love somebody, show it. Don't be a hypocrite about it. He says abhor or just really detest it. What is evil? Abhor it. Abhor evil wherever it's coming from. You don't want evil at all. I know sometimes we, 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 we say these things and we go out with, a little, with that kind of grin on our faces, on our face, and, and we, we don't really abhor it. Abhor evil. Then he says, cling to what is good. I, and one thing I learned uh, about in my wife's family, uh, they, they were a different kind of family culture than I, I grew up with and we grew up with. And uh, I, mean, I remember them saying things. If it happened, they would just say, boy, that happened in the family. Oh, you're, not, you're letting everybody know. So, well, everybody else knows it. We might as well talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, cousin so-and-so, he did it, yeah. <laughs> Terrible, wasn't it? And he said, so abhorrent. But a lot of times we try to cover the evil around, with those around us or those we love. That's wrong. That's not the love of God when you and I help cover up evil. He says, abhor it. Cling to what's good. Doesn't matter if it's in your family or my family. If it's good, I'm going to cling. I'm going to be glued to it. I'm going to be joined to it. That's, that's, it seems like what God told Adam. That for this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to that woman, be cl cling to that woman. We want her to cling to us. Well, I am kind of got off of my subject, didn't I? He says, you cling to what's good. Glue yourself to what's good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Cherish one another, just like you're, they're your kin folks, like a, a parent with a child. He said, that's how I want you to treat people. Cherishing one's kindred, that's what it's like. Not lagging in diligence. Don't be tardy. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, being cheerful, being calm in hope, always expecting God to come through for you. That's what the love of God will do for you. It will give you that positive outlook. You won't be grumpy and wanting your own way. There are too many Christians who are just grumpy. Oh, you're not grumpy in church. You wait till you get home. You know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> and he says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. That means just abide where God has you. It's tough, but abide where God has you. Remain there. Persevere. Keep going through it. Endure it. And continuing steadfastly in prayer. Be constant in prayer. And he says this. This is the one that, that really sometimes get us. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, always being hospitable to people, being kind to people. This is what God wants for us. And because I love God, 
I will love without hypocrisy. I will abhor what is evil. Because I love God, I will cling to what is good. I will, I will behave myself like a Christian. I will honor my brother, my sister. I will give preference to them. I will not lag in diligence. I will be diligent about my assignments that God has given to me. I'll be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I will recognize that everything that I do serves the Lord. Because I love God, I'm going to give Jesus my best. I'm going to rejoice in hope when things are difficult. When we look around our nation today, our nation is on the very, very precipice of collapse, whether you think it is or not. The Lord has called, called me, and I'm not saying I'm some, something special, but he's called me to these constant fasts. You know, I fast seven days, and I go and live a sort of a, a life of eating for, for, for a week, and then I go back, and, and it's, it's not easy for me. It never has been easy, but I know God is after something. He doesn't want us singing Zion songs when everything is collapsing around us. I mean, in the sense that we don't know. But he wants us to be continuing steadfastly in prayer and give to the needs of the saints.